What is Demystifying Research? Hosted by me, Kelly Harris. And me, Catherine Hoyt. Demystifying Research is a space where we dialogue on training, careers, and all things research. Everything from is research right for me to thinking about applications, mentorship, which research degree is right for me, handling failure and rejection, CVs versus resumes, and funding. This is a space where we engage in discussions around the questions we all have or have had when considering a career in research and science. As clinician scientists, we seek to answer questions and address issues that aren't clearly addressed in more formal spaces, things that weren't addressed in our clinical training, questions that we may not know how or where to begin to seek answers. This is not a space only for scientists and researchers, but for anyone who may be interested in science and research. We're so glad you've joined us. Let's dive in. Hello, um, we are excited to be back with First Fridays for OT Research for February. Um, today we're talking about CVs and resumes and um, just a little background on uh, First Fridays for OT Research. This is a space where we're really talking about all things research um, for those who are perhaps potentially interested in a PhD program or um, just thinking about what a research career might look like. So we talk about things like how to prepare, how to apply, what do you, uh, what's the day in, in the life of a researcher like? And today we are talking about resumes and CVs and we have um, a wonderful guest with us today. I'll introduce myself. I'm Kelly Harris, I'm an assistant professor and uh, occupational therapy and surgery at WashU School of Medicine. And uh, Catherine Hoyt is my co-host. I'll let her introduce herself and then we'll, we'll jump to our guest. Good morning or afternoon or evening for anybody who's joined, joining us today. My name is Catherine Hoyt. I'm an instructor in the program of occupational therapy at Washington University. And, um, and I do research primarily with little ones zero to three. Uh, and I'm excited to welcome Benny. Benny, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit before we get started? Yeah, um, hi, um, my name is Ping Wei Chen. I call me Benny. Um, I am an alumni from WashU's OT PhD program. I'm currently uh, working as a postdoc at Sherry Ryan Ability Lab, um, as also as a project lead in one of the larger projects um, that work with Northwestern University and U University of Chicago. Excellent. I actually didn't know you were at Shirley Ryan Lab, Benny. That's awesome. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> I didn't either. Um, so, well, let's jump right in. You said you're in a postdoc, so you've got, you know, probably, I think we all think about our CVs a lot, but let's start with, you know, what is a resume and when do you use one versus what is a CV and when do you use one? Yeah, so um, I guess before I talk about that, um, I just have to explain a little bit uh, why I keep looking at these uh, oftentimes. Um, so ever since I joined the Sherry Ryan, uh, as a project lead, I have to hire multiple of RAs under this project. Uh, probably review, I probably already hired 10 RAs just to come into this project. So I kind of review a lot of our resume and CVs and knowing what we're looking for, kind of, um, that could be temporary RA, postdocs, or anyone like more full-time RAs or uh, coordinators. Um, I think the difference between, so for, for the job I post, I usually look for a resume. Or you can send a CV, but I usually will request a resume. And the reason why is because a resume is a one page brief summary of what is very specific 
about the job you're applying, right? Um, a CV is, um, is a list of things that you have done that is usually toward a more academic right, perspective. So you'll include a lot of these publications, references, uh, you know, everything that you have done or awards. Um, in comparison to resume, you will probably focus on, I know how to program R, I know how to run clinical trial, right? These are skills. And you probably will prioritize things differently, depends on the job you're applying. That made me think of something. Is there anything in particular when you're looking at a CV or a resume that you look for that you're like, oh, wow, this is a great one or anything particular that stands out? Yeah, I think the most stands out ones are the one that hit the keyword immediately. Because um, if you can imagine, uh, we will get hundreds of resume, right, or CV. Um, if if I ask a resume and they send me a CV, that's a that's a deductible point because <laughs> because uh, I'm looking for a resume, right? So you you know, one page, you know, brief summary. I'm looking for a keyword, like for example, if I'm hiring for a research assistant working as in the inpatient rehabilitation scenario. Um, for stroke patients, I'll look for anyone who is more patient, organized, you know, understand scientific rigors and understand how to uh, talk to elders or be very patient when they talking to talking to patients. Um, so, so I'm looking for those keywords and key experiences, right? So if you have listed them in your one page summary for me, I will prioritize them for the interview, right? That kind of makes sense. So it really depends How on the job that, application. Mm -hmm. oh, sorry, so like you just said, it depends on the job application a little bit. That I think that's a really good point to focus on making sure you have those keywords that align with the position. How would you recommend that people know what keywords they're supposed to have on there? Yeah, um, I think um, a lot of these uh, other websites like Indie or something, if you go on there, they'll ask, they'll, there's a, a list of like an order that you have to do before you apply a job, right? Uh, I think the very first one was um, to make sure you Google your, <laughs> your job, uh, the job they're looking for, what kind of company you're working with, what kind of uh, work they're doing, right? Because, because what the, em the employer was thinking was, can I find a candidate that comes in and I don't have to teach him anything and just immediately click and just do it, right? I don't have independent workers, right? If you, uh, so, so they're looking for those experiences that's very related to the current work, right? So that will be those keywords that you want to put into your resume. You were talking a little bit about kind of how you receive CVs, have you gotten feedback on on your own resume or CV that's been really helpful, really good, really bad? Like how you know, kind of you shaped that? Those yeah, tools? Um, I think so. There are several things to avoid <laughs> in the CV, right? Um, if you write yourself as uh, a detail oriented person, <laughs> and then you didn't proofread your your CV or resume, that's a big no. So I have, I've done some stupid things like that. Like I, um, I, I will write a resume, I, 
I proved myself several times. I never show anyone because it's a, it's my CV, right? I don't want, <laughs> I don't want anyone to see it. Uh, and that's a big mistake, I think. Um, you should let your friends or your someone who you trust to see your CV because it's important. They will they will definitely find something that doesn't make sense to them, and you can fix them. And that's probably what the employer will see. Like when they the first got it, the first thing they found was the error that you made, the typos that you made in, in there. Um, that's a very important part. Um, organization. If you say you're a very organized person, you can't even uh, write a free summary into one page of resume. Um, I have doubt that that is an evidence to your organ the organization skill, right? That's a, also an important thing. Uh, how clean it is, uh, it's, since it's a first impression, it really depends on, right? So when they get the CV, the first impression is really important. If, if they're really like, like all over the place, not organized at all, I don't know where to find the information. That tells me a lot about uh, the logic, like how you organize things um, and may not serve you well if you have a really messy format. Um, all, all these things are just little things that you just need to be careful with. Yeah, so I, what I, I hear you saying a couple of things like, you know, it's important what you put in it, but how you present it is mm -hmm. just as important and and kind of it's it's how you're showcasing yourself, not just by the content, right, but by the, the documents themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I was also thinking like, you know, and I, you kind of touched on this that, you know, you tailor it to a job, right? So, so at this point, I feel like most of us might have um especially if you have like a clinical background maybe a couple different versions of your cv or resume that you know depending on how you're using it um determines how you organize it i, I don't know if either you catherine or benny want to speak to that that's something i think i think about a lot like how do i best highlight myself when i've got kind of this mix of background and skill and you know how do you think about that and is it about you know um kind of just over time, figuring out how to best present that best picture of yourself or mm -hmm. what do you think? Um, I can go ahead first. Um, so some people would suggest that every job you apply, you create a CV or a resume for it, for that very particular job. Now, of course, depends on how much you like this job. <laughs> Maybe you want to uh, just use a template, right? So all clinical template, uh, that's doable too. Uh, you just have to be careful when you're about to send them to make sure that you don't write a very specific thing about certain companies. Um, and most of the time you can actually, you know, with a cover letter, right, to introduce you to this job, why you like this job so much, and then your resume as the evidence to what you're saying in the cover letter, right? Um, that's that's my thought in, in this. Uh, Catherine, do you have any other advice from the clinical side? Um, I don't think so, sorry. We just got a question in the chat. So now I feel like my brain is scattered, but I was thinking about um, kind of those differences in like how you customize your CV or your resume. And, you know, and you said, Benny, that, you know, you request a resume versus a CV, but I actually heard from a mentor of mine recently, you know, like in the academic community, when you're applying for a PhD or, um, or other research type of positions, 
you may have to submit a CV. And some of them want everything on there, like any abstract you've ever submitted or things like that. And some people, you know, find that to, you know, just take up too much space and they want just the highlights, even on the CV. I don't know, Kelly or Benny, if either of you have any experience or thoughts on, on that. So I, my internet, I think, cut out. I missed the question. I think I was frozen for a moment. Um, I was just saying that, like, even within academic environments, the CV is typically longer than a resume and includes other things that you may have done in your, like, other scholarly work. Um, but I've also heard kind of con maybe not conflict, but like differences in opinion on what should be on there, like whether every abstract should be on there or not. And I don't know if either of you have any thoughts on that. I think, Benny, did you have a thought before I jump in? Um, I think a lot of times academic career will require you to have a CV because they want to know how much publications you have done. How much research you have done because i think publication in the in the academic career is like our outcome right <laughs> like your your result like no matter what you list in your career experience if i don't see a publication that doesn't mean you did anything right so it's almost like that <laughs> so, so it's very important for a academic career if you're applying for phd or graduate school you need to list you need to give them a cv because you need to list all the publication you've ever done and all the after you ever go to or conferences or even uh, like affiliation, right? That's, that's also on the CV. And then you need to provide three reference uh, people, right? Or professors that can vow for you that this is a person that's not crazy, right? Um, that's usually the case for, for academic career. Is that right? You guys uh, agree with this, right? I mean, I think, yeah, like, you know, it's a way to showcase, yeah, what have you done? to show that you have the experience you said you say that you have i was thinking about that to your question a little bit catherine that um you know if you're not like on the job market the cv is this tool to kind of document everything but then when you're submitting it somewhere you perhaps don't include everything i mean maybe every apps and i also feel like it's like where are you in your career right people who are earlier in their career have everything and then as it starts to get longer you start to you know, drop those things that are perhaps less important or less, you know, the abstract is perhaps not as important as the, you know, talk or the paper on that same topic or, you know, that kind of thing, I think, yeah. That led me to think actually, maybe we should define what an abstract is for people that are applying to PhD programs and maybe haven't had much experience with publishing or, pre or scientific presenting. I don't know if Benny, if you wanna give a brief I'll try to. Um, so an abstract is um, a poster, a po we're talking about a poster abstract, not just any abstract. A poster abstract is to uh, a, a short summary right, of your current ongoing research, usually a preliminary data, like something that you've done like halfway through or, or almost like close, close to finish, but you haven't like ready for an actual paper publication, you want to hear from someone else, your colleagues, right? You're, you're in the field that, what do you think about this paper? Okay. And that's, I think that's the purpose of the poster abstract. And what you do is you submit to a conference, usually an annual conference of some Congress or <laughs> some uh, <laughs> big organization, and you will present them 
before COVID, present them <laughs> in front of people and talk to people about it. Nowadays, it's all virtual. You record a video, it's kind of boring. <laughs> you don't get to talk to people. People left like chat or something. But that's the that's a that's the abstract we're talking about. Um, these are short summary. It's not actually a paper, so it's I think in in if you value it in academic career, it will be a little less than a publication the paper. But it is something. Right? It's a proof that you have done something. Right? It is a like a proof. Um, yeah, and I guess there's a difference between published and unpublished abstracts, right? And so we're talking yeah. about those that are published. No, it depends on the field. It, uh, like, for example, some of the engineering field, if you actually uh, publish in IEE, um, some of the conference have conference paper. Now, I always confuse about, <laughs> like, what do you mean by conference paper? <laughs> it's, it's a one page, right? A short summary of your current work. Um, and then they publish a paper. So <laughs> the, the actual, there's a paper and there's a, a conference paper. So I, I guess um, in the engineering field, it's very blurry um, what is an abstract. But in, in OT field, it's very, I think it's, it's very cut clear. The abstract is abstract, paper is paper, right? I think some other things that I was just thinking about while you were talking, you know, and thinking about myself, even when I was applying to PhD programs, I didn't have that many papers. I'd gone to a couple of conferences because I was at WashU, but not everybody has those opportunities. But um, I think on your CV then, because it is you're applying for either a research position or a PhD program, graduate school, like the maybe a takeaway, I don't know if both of you would agree, but like including any type of professional presentation that you've given, maybe in your workplace, or if you've published in in anything, anything that you've written to document your, you know, ability to write. I, you know, I don't, I don't know that this is the right way, so I probably shouldn't be sharing it, but I'll share it anyway. Um, what I did, because I actually had, when I applied to the PhD program, I hadn't published, um, but I had a couple of pieces that came out of research experiences I had that were not published. And so for a while I had a section on my CV that was like, you know, unpublished manuscripts, but they were documents I was willing to share. So like I had to share copies of those as samples of my writing for my PhD application. And now I'll, I'll add the caveat that my PhD is in education. So it's a little bit different um, than applying to an OT program, an OT PhD, but um, yeah, so so I think that's an important point, Catherine. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. When I apply for PhD programs, I don't, I already have a master, so so I kind of did something in the master degree already. So I have one or two uh, papers out, but I list every single abstract that I have ever done <laughs> since college, uh, just because it's for CV. Usually, it's a two to two to three pages long, right? Um, because if you look at like some professor's CV, it's like 10 pages long. <laughs> um, so to fill the space at the time, <laughs> I will just list every single one of them. Um, if you have ever won any award, uh, list them on the CV as well. List them in the front, like right after your education. <laughs> so they know, because sometimes they will read just one page. You know, like if I'm reading it, I'm reading a CV that's like five pages long. I'll just read the first page and then and then I was like, oh, that's an impressive publication. And I never actually read into the publication. That's just trust that you probably have a lot of experience. And that's like just first glance of your CV. So 
make sure you have all the important things on the front. That's a good point to what you were saying earlier, Benny, about like the organization and like, how do you present it? So like, it sounds like what you're saying and maybe we all agree on too, most important things, education, like any publications or professional presentations and like any awards or things like that. I'm wondering, so there's a few, I don't know if it's controversial in, in this group, but online or if you ask other people that review resumes, some controversial things that, um, that I've heard are including your place of birth, including mm -hmm. a photo of yourself mm -hmm. or, um, or things like podcasts or, or, or other things you've been involved with. Do you have any feelings about any of those things? Just an old template for putting your place of birth. It's like what? Benny, Benny, it's, it's you know, it's it's an old it's an old template to actually yeah. put the uh place of birth because I feel like that's like you know Jack from St. Louis. <laughs> Something like to identify who you are. <laughs> it's an like ancient time. Uh, but, <laughs> but I feel like uh, that is going to bias some of the reviewer. The, the people the HR team or the hiring team because now they know who you are away from and besides like these at uh, the modern time we always google people okay so like there's no lie if I sign some really good candidate I will google them if they have a pop like uh published you know uh profile Facebook or LinkedIn I'll I'll check them out to, just to see if they're not crazy you know um <laughs> just to make sure that this person is not like super crazy about something, you know, like it's gonna destroy the whole lab. Um, so so no matter what, we are kind of gonna know that person already. I don't think it's necessary to put the birth of place over there. Photos, same thing. Uh, I'm gonna Google that person anyway. <laughs> so if you wanna put, okay, so usually a photo was used in the resume. I really rarely see anyone who put photos on CVs. If they put photos on resume, I feel like it's a waste of space because I'll know what you look like eventually if I if you get an interview, if not Google. Uh, <laughs> and that space could be used for something else, something important like objectives. What's your objective of, of this job? You know, I wanted to know that. So my opinion is no, <laughs> don't put those on it. I think um, we have to also mention in this conversation talking about things like birthplace and photographs that, you know, I, I've never, uh, I think some CVs require birthplace, so I'll, I'll put that caveat first, but I think that if you're worried about bias going into any kind of interview situation, which many folks are as a Black woman, that's something that's always on my mind, right? Mm -hmm. I, there's no way I'm putting a photo. And not to say that like, yes, you're right. You can, you can Google people, but if you're asking for my photo or if, you know, if people mm -hmm. are looking for that, my question is why, what does my photo have mm -hmm. to do with my ability to yep. do this job or, you know, and so I think thinking about that and I think um, that, that that's, that's what I think about when I think about things like photos and even place of birth, right? I think depending, you know, that could, that can really be a place for bias. Um, I, I'm not sure that um, I understand the importance of place of birth on this CV. Maybe one of you can enlighten me. Like, what you know? Why is that necessary? I, so I guess that that's. I agree with you, Benny. No. <laughs> I third I that. Sorry, Kelly. Yeah. yeah, some of the people actually put um, address, which I've I've seen uh, putting address on the top, right, the header. 
Um, I feel like it's also uh, not necessary. I don't think the employer wants to know where you live. <laughs> um, but email is fine, right? Um, so some of the template has address in there. Uh, don't put it on them. Um, phone number, what do you guys think? Phone number should be on there, I think. Uh, email and phone number, that's two. I mean, those have very, to me, concrete functions, right? Here's how you yeah. contact me. And I would love for you to be able to contact me, right? But but yeah, where I live is also irrelevant. And I think there's actually a good body of research on on address as, as a potential biasing factor when we think about CVs and resumes also. I think that might be another kind of like old school thing, like you were mentioning early, earlier, Benny, like they used to mail out like we would mail our resume to a potential job and they would mail back a response. So, but we don't need that anymore. So why would I put it there? Yeah. Um, can I ask a question? Yeah. Uh, so I have two questions about like um, CV and resume. So um, yeah, my name is the bond name. I'm sorry, I, I couldn't introduce myself. Yeah. So um, um, I I studied occupational therapy and I work at um, in South Korea. So sometimes we could join um, like variety of like a, a field, not only for the rehab because of my working place, like I'm doing some like a huge like project or something like that. So if I apply like pitch school or like an OT department or something like my career, so should I drop the like not related field, even if I did or if I um, like get a paper or publish it or something like that, like um, to make uh, my career just one like a field or what do you think can I ask and then uh, second question is what is your priority like um, if you look up the look at the um, resume or CV at first like um, do you um, like um, think important is like um, the subject of the research or something like your career or what what is that can I ask yeah Thank you. Okay, you want to go first or? Go All for right. it, Ben. Um, the second, I can answer the second question first. Um, the second question really depends on the lab you're applying. I'm assuming this is for all PhD program. So PhD program is very different from any other clinical program where um, research is the most important thing and depends on the lab you're applying to, the mentor that you want, uh, you will have to, find experience that's related to that, right? Um, so it could be anything. It could be one part of your class. So if you have no participation in previous research before, one of the OT class could have provide you some experience with it. And uh, I believe when I was applying for PhD program, I also listed what kind of classes I took, right? And you could elaborate those classes or even uh, volunteer to help out in the class. Uh, most of the time in the program, the mentor or whoever the instructors will, will also like people to help out, right, in, in the class. This can be a teaching assistant or something like that. That could help your building your resume or CV already. Uh, the best time is also, of course, the research type, right, where you actually volunteer in the research lab and doing some research. And before you do that, make sure you you know, before you start doing the volunteer work, make sure you ask them whether or not you can be on a publication, 
Okay, even just the last author or the last two author of the publication actually help, right? You should have to ask them. Most of the time they'll say yes, if you like volunteer for several times or do something, do a specific thing that qualify you to be an author, okay? But that's something that you always can ask to your professors, your instructors to, to help out. And that will build your resume from there, right? Catherine, you, and Catherine, wanna, yeah. Yeah, I was going to jump in on the first question, and I think, um, you know, when you're thinking about applying to a PhD program, you're submitting several documents, right? One of them might be like your personal statement, and the advice I was always given when I, you know, because I had kind of experience in many different areas was to think about what is like the narrative that I want to tell. So why is this experience important? It might not be related, but perhaps I developed some skill that I think is essential for this next step, or perhaps, you know, so I think thinking about how you connect those things is more important than just specific, you know, sticking to specific categories, right? I think it's important. Um, so I agree with what Benny said, but I think also thinking about like, what's the, how, why does that make you, you know, ready for this program in this moment or, um, and so what are those experiences? What's that role in your CV? Does that make sense? I think, you know, thinking about what what is the thread that connects them? What is the overall narrative? What is the story that you're telling about yourself? And applying to a PhD program, you have multiple places to touch on that, right? So if I'm reading a statement that explains it and then I see it in your CV, it's not going to be like, well, why, why is this here? This seems unrelated, right? Because you've you've given us the story about why it actually is. I don't know, Catherine, if you have anything to add. No, I thought that was really well said, Kelly. I, I agree with that. I, if you have any relevant experience, even if it's not the same research um, specific, you know, thing, I think if you can, can tie it together, like you had experience in a lab, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a research skill. It could be you observed something that made you interested in research, or you had practice writing, or you had practice with presentations, or working collaboratively with people from different professions. There's, um, I think there's creative ways to tie a lot of things together, um, that if you're having trouble with that, you know, maybe talking to a mentor or a friend or, you know, you can email any of us, I think, right? <laughs> um, and want to add on that as well. Um, if you if you find yourself really um, lack of material to write in your CV, there's always a cover letter that you can <laughs> you can boost it, right? It's one of the arguments, right? So if you don't have a really good CV, you must have a kick-ass cover letter that like explain very like passionate about why you are into this research. I think I was in that situation where I actually wrote a pretty good cover letter and, and touched some of the professors and let me into their research. Um, and that was something uh, that you probably can do as well, right? Just make sure your cover letter is good. Yeah, I think um, one of the things we we're going to ask, but I think we've touched on it quite a bit, is kind of what kind of things would we recommend for folks who are either thinking about pursuing a PhD program or some kind of research coordinator position or something like that. The other thing I just am thinking about as we're talking is I did a lot of just looking at many different resumes and CVs, right? A lot of them are publicly available. 
online. And so you really get a sense of what different people do, what speaks to you, what you really like in the way of organization or what you really don't like, or, um, you know, and you just get ideas. And I think over time, I don't know, at least for myself, I kind of played around with some of that, right? So my CV has changed over time as I'm learning what works and what doesn't work. Um, you see other people's and get ideas. And, you know, so I think thinking about just looking around at what's out there is important. When, while you were talking, Kelly, I just had another thought, like related to what you were saying and what Benny said earlier. I think when you're putting together a resume or a CV too, you can like go to the website of wherever you're applying and, you know, just see what they talk about. What do they prioritize? What did, does that place, that school or, uh, or whatever location, what do they prioritize? And then you could organize your CV or your resume according to that so that you're also prioritizing those same themes and ideas um, and maybe using even some of the language that they use in their website, maybe in the mission or the vision, like picking out the words that they use, um, because if they've put them on their website as a, as really important things as prominent on the website or in their mission and vision, it's definitely something that is really important that they would prioritize. Yeah, just like writing any paper, right? Uh, your audience is very important. CV is not different from any other paper that you write. Who do you talk to? And how do I please them? <laughs> uh, how do I make sure that they like me, right? And that's important, so. Yeah. Are there any other questions? Any final thoughts? Or resources? Yeah. Yeah, I will recommend um, going to like indeed.com or like these like, these are like HR website. They teach people how to create resume. They have a lot of template as well. These are really good resources. Um, that include like, I think Glassdoor might have it, Indeed has it, LinkedIn has it too. Um, they teach you how to write cover letter. They teach you how to write a good, resume or CV, even CV. Um, so I would recommend those resources. There are some online service for helping you proofread, but I feel like if you're in a school, it's probably easier to find a writing center um, to prove your CV. That's a good tip. Yeah, I just throw in the yeah. chat to also think about asking your mentors for examples of letters they've yeah. written in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. If if you want, if you like me, I, I like to connect people on LinkedIn for the job that I'm applying. <laughs> so I will look for their employee, like whoever's in my colleague, my future colleagues. I'll contact with them and say, hey, um, what kind of job, you know, what is it like there? To understand a little bit more, you know, like what's the boss like? What is it, you know, like just chat and then befriend it and then and they'll tell you a lot of information. You'll be surprised <laughs> that they will just keep talking about uh, the situation. So you will learn a lot from that. And then you can tailor it with your CV or your interview or application. So. All right, any other thoughts? Um, I think as Catherine mentioned, if you, know, you have other questions, feel free to email either of us. Um, 
And yeah, if there's nothing else, we thank you for joining us today. Any any last words? Thank you for having me. No? Yeah, thank you, Benny. This is great. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's nice to see you all. Thanks, Benny. Thank you for joining us today. Check out our other episodes to hear more. You can find the first season on YouTube under Washington University Program and Occupational Therapies channel under the First Fridays for OT Research playlist. And more episodes of Demystifying Research linked under the Research tab on the Washington University OT webpage at ot.wustl.edu. That's ot.wustl.edu. Send us your ideas for future episodes at demystifyingresearch at wustl.edu.